It's uh, 2.41 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, and for whatever reason, I can't get to sleep, so I figured I'd get caught up on my reports and cataloging my encounters. When I first joined the laboratory, I knew that there would be paperwork. I just didn't know how much. Anyways, initiating randomized sonic biometric signature for lock encryption. This is log Lima 371, entry 1, detailing my initial contact with Letty Talmead, who may be the last siren. And yes, I'm referring to the figures of Greek mythology. Three years in, and it still surprises me just how little we truly know of the world around us. A few years ago, while working at the laboratory space in Stanford's newly developed underground science center devoted to French exploration, I met an extraordinary young woman. Her name is Letty, Letty Talmead. Letty and I were first introduced a few days after an overdose almost claimed the life of her boyfriend, Bastion. It's important to note that that moment set in motion a series of events that would bring Letty face to face with her own mortality and implicate me in the process, but I'll explain that later. Several stories below Stanford's newly constructed arboretum on campus. The university had multiple floors, offices, and labs dedicated to specific areas of study with resources and equipment that would take mainstream innovation years to catch up to. On the floor where auditory sciences were investigated, in one of the most advanced recording studios in the world, Letty and I sat across from each other on a plush velvet sectional in the back of the room. Before letting me know why Sahara, the lead researcher on the floor, and Letty's adoptive mother and sister of sorts, had asked for my help, she wanted me to know what had happened to her and why it was imperative I believed her. She started from the night when her life began a complex and perilous descent into what she accurately anticipated, I would assume, as implausible. But I was wrong. Very wrong. From what I was told, Bastion threw a party at his home in L.A. to celebrate the completion of his debut project. It was supposed to be low-key, but word got around and what was supposed to be 20 people ended up being over 100. At some point in the night, a friend of a friend handed Bastion a hybrid strain that would allow him to astral project, whatever that means. Bastion should have taken that as a warning not to participate, but under the circumstances, he allowed himself to indulge. It didn't take long before the fentanyl laced in the strain caused Bastion's heart rate to slow beyond perceptibility. Letty, who was in the backyard at the time, was alerted by a partygoer who saw Bastion stumble into his room and collapse. As Letty recounted that night for me, I, I saw the fear, panic, and anxiety that gripped her that night. I tried to let her know that I didn't need all of these details, but she insisted. She told me that her own heart nearly stopped seeing Bastion, face down in his own sick, a grotesque configuration of lifeless limbs and regurgitated fluid. The details she informed me were a little spotty after that, and that she had to rely on the account of Bastion and her best friend who was with her at the time. Her best friend, Ayana, was the one who called for the ambulance, while Letty repositioned Bastion and tried to shake life back into his body. Seconds after it was clear that Bastion was barely breathing, if at all, Letty felt the initial signs of a panic attack begin to seize her heart and cause the air in the room to suddenly dissipate. To calm herself, she began to hum, a practice she cultivated after panic attacks were nearly her norm when she was nine. Rather than letting the emotions nearly overtake her again as she spoke with me, Letty detoured slightly from reliving the emotions from that night and started describing Bastion. Whether she did this consciously or unconsciously remains unknown, but I saw the strength and comfort she received from it. 
She said that he was the typical quiet but lively type, the type, I was told, who didn't speak much, but when he did, everyone would listen. By that point, he was already signed and had a debut project on the cusp of release, which is what they were celebrating, but that process came with pressures Bastion found difficult to navigate. The meticulous creative, now in the limelight with a price tag on his expression, was cause for both excitement and distress. To Letty, a singer and songwriter herself, she could see that Bastion wrestled with his new paradigm. She shared that as he lay unresponsive in her arms, she forced herself to channel calm from the memories of their good times together and recall the moments that they stole away, the moments where it was them together, alone, in the walled garden of their minds, away from the world. Holding Bastion tightly, she honed in on the memory of his life, the way he would rub his nose just like his dad. The jokes he swore were funny, but only provoked Letty to roll her eyes. While she spoke, I could see how much she loved Bastion and just how much that night had an impact on her. That night, she used those memories to insulate herself from the negative thoughts that relentlessly attacked her. And she hummed with what felt like defiance, keeping the panic attacks at bay. Letty's disposition changed as she described what happened next. She said that something began to stir on her inside. She felt in her stomach, and this is her best description of what had happened, was a deep warming sensation that from her navel to her sternum, a heat began to radiate. She'd felt a similar sensation before when she would hum, but that it was almost like drinking hot tea on a cold day. That night, it was like a furnace got turned on and flooded her with a fire that would have surely consumed everything in sight had it not been confined inside of her. It was like every good thought and every bad thought was drawn into her stomach into that one spot, broken down, melted, and forged into something else entirely. As she hummed, the warmth reached a critical mass, and the last thing she remembered was waking up two days later. Now, according to Ayana, when she came back into the room, Letty was in some kind of trance. Her hum somehow filled the entire room. She called to Letty, and when she wouldn't respond, walked over to shake her. But before she could make it over to her, Letty was suddenly out of her trance, and Bastion was awake. Between Ayana entering the room and Letty suddenly out of her trance, four minutes went by that neither one of them could account for. Letty said that Ayana told her that after she briefly acknowledged that Bastion was awake and safe, that Letty slowly sprawled on the floor and mentioned that she needed to take a nap. That nap lasted 36 hours. Letty looked at her hands and shared that when she woke up from that nap, which was more of a slumber, she felt a fatigue and weakness she had never felt before. But that right by her side, there was Bastion waiting for her. There was a life in his eyes she hadn't seen in quite some time. As they spoke, he began to tell her of what he remembered from that night. He told her that he heard her humming in his head, not in his ear, but like the sound was coming from inside his own head. It wasn't until he became more aware, shaking off whatever residual effects of the drugs were, that he realized the sound was actually emanating from her, that he could feel her ribs vibrating slightly like the reverberations of a tuning fork. And that only when he was finally able to muster enough strength to force himself to sit upright and grab her arm that that's when she stopped humming and opened her eyes to see him. He added that at that exact moment, Inyana, who stood at the door staring blankly ahead of her, came back to attention and made her way to Letty's side. Bastion couldn't explain what had happened and figured that the drugs were to blame, but that when Letty didn't wake up after hour 24 or so, it, it didn't matter anymore. All he cared about was her waking up. At the end of the account, Letty leaned forward and looked at me with brown eyes that in the aftermath of that night were sure of one thing 
and one thing only. She parted her lips and said, I saved Ashton's life that night. I know I did. And now I need to figure out how.